support for today's Medicine Remix show comes from Plan A Plus, an emergency contraceptive for people whose Plan A is Plan B. Plan A Plus, available wherever bad ideas are sold. Now back to remixing real medicine on Medicine Remixed, only on Anchor. Where's my medicine remix? Mm, drop! Drop it like it's hot. Hey, medicine remix. I love what you guys are doing. Everything is hot. From medicine remix. Medicine remix. You're listening to medicine remix. Really? I like the way you mixed. Medicine. Yo, I caught those. You thought I was going to miss those, huh? Because I've been sleeping on my anchor game. But I'm back. And you know what else? I think you inspired me to maybe take this anchor thing a little bit more serious. This was lit. Boys, awesome stuff. Great show. Awesome musical choices as always. Great song selection. And good ear, by the way, too, because you really, I thought that was dope how you picked up on it and put the music behind it. And um, it's definitely inspirational. I just found great value in this. I just wanted to call and give you props and just say thank you. Appreciate this conversation. I'm really curious as doctors, what your thought is on all this. Just would love to know the medical perspective on that. Thanks. Guys, come on, get to it. You've got a job to do. You've got a community waiting for your opinions. Chop, chop. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Medicine Remixed only on Anchor. Bye. When my husband and I were trying to have a kid, a lot of people were like, oh my God, that's so hot. You guys doing a lot of fucking? No, dude, that's, that's shit you do in your 20s, okay? When, when you're in your 30s and you've been trying to get pregnant for a while, it gets very clinical. You pee on these ovulation strips that tell you when the eggs are dropping. It tells you when it's Easter time. And I would only fuck him when it was Easter time. Outside, it was like only four days out of the month and outside of that I would be like we're not fucking I need you to save it I want your sperm to be as pent up and as angry and rapey as possible so that when they come out it's like release the kraken eh? and they just come out like a bunch of angry refugees escaping a dictatorship you know <laughs> I'm very grateful to be uh, pregnant and to be this far along, to be seven and a half months pregnant, because last year I had a miscarriage, which is very common. And a lot of women who are in their 20s flip out when they hear that. And they're like, oh my God, that's so dark and terrible. I can't believe that. I'm 33. Girl, when you're 33, you'll know plenty of women who have had a miscarriage. It's super common. And I wish more women would talk about it so they wouldn't feel so bad when they go through it. When I told my mom, she's from a third world country, and when I told her I had one, she was like, uh, yeah, where I'm from, that's like losing a pair of shoes. It's whatevs, okay? And everything happens for a reason. I found out at my six week sonogram, which is very early, and the doctor says to me, oh my God, I see two sacks, which means you're having twins. And I was like, And then she said, but what I don't see is a heartbeat. And I was like, yes! The Lord is mysterious! Don't feel bad, okay? They were the size of poppy seeds. I've picked boogers larger than the twins that I lost. 
and most women won't let their husbands watch when they're going through a miscarriage. I sat my husband down in front of me while I sat on the toilet and I was like, you look. You watched the whole thing. And he felt so bad for me. And I used it as leverage and held that shit over his head for a month and got him to do whatever the fuck I wanted him to do for 30 days. He took me to see Beyonce. He bought me a bike off of Craigslist. That's my miscarriage bike and I love it very much. For 30 days, I finally had the marriage I always wanted. <laughs> What's really good, Anchor Hood? It's your boy Reesh from Medicine Remixed. We're going to resurrect this segment devoted to women's health. We call it Wonder Woman, and that's Wonder, comma, Woman. And today you're going to hear from Dr. Rama, a trained OBGYN who is now doing special training in reproductive genetics. And we're going to ask her about in vitro fertilization, freezing eggs, artificial insemination, and all kinds of cool but kind of gross stuff. So for longtime listeners of Medicine Remix, you may remember Dr. Rama's voice from other segments we've done with her in the past. Quick shout out to uh, Melissa from the Box Talk station for asking the very question that inspired us to seek Rama's expertise about the inner workings of the female human body. And speaking of game-changing questions, guys and gals, we absolutely love your call-ins. We listen to all of them and We'll be publishing more and using your questions and call-ins as the pulse of this station. You know, we want to bring everyone listening in Anchorville the most value possible by talking about the medically related shit that you actually want to know about. You know, the stuff that relates to your world and the various cultures and subcultures that you subscribe to. You know, pop culture, sports entertainment, comedy, hip-hop, fucking anything. If you care about it, we care about it. So um, if it's outside our realm of expertise or answerability, part of this Medicine Remixed value meal is the network of expert friends DNI have cultivated in literally every specialty and subspecialty of medicine as well as other healthcare fields. So now that the anchor gods have blessed us with the dope new interviews feature, You'll definitely be hearing conversations with this carefully curated crew. But uh, yeah, anyway, please keep sending us your awesome questions and insights. We're so grateful for your attention and curiosity. It's truly fueling the design and production of arguably the dopest audio resource for health and medicine on the planet. So without further ado, buckle up and get your learn on as Dr. Rama gives us some very real talk about the very real and growing problem of infertility. As more Americans attempt to have children well into their 30s and 40s, many couples face the sometimes brutal reality of human biology. Infertility now affects one in every seven couples. You're listening to the one and only Medicine Remixed right here on Anchor.
seems like a big topic at least like a big concern among like you know working women and having kids the concept of freezing your eggs and what that process is like how you would go about doing it how much does something like that cost what is the ideal age to do something like that yeah so it is an interesting concept personally speaking i'm 31 and thinking about myself getting older and having kids in the future you know like right now i'm i'm not at the point in my life that i'm ready to have kids that's a common thing that's happening nowadays with women reaching farther in the workforce there's been a huge uh, demand for freezing your eggs and so as you get older the quality of your eggs slowly do decline i hate to say quality of your eggs like what does that mean you know like your chance for having chromosomal abnormalities in your baby is increased as you get older past age 35 the risk for down syndrome increases so you know to minimize that risk women are willing to pay the, the big bucks to put some insurance or security in their reproductive potential freezing your eggs is first of all it's not cheap i know in new jersey and new york area it can range anywhere from cheapest i would say is about eight thousand to about twelve thousand is that something that's covered by insurance or is that you just have to like come in with like a backpack full of cash <laughs> it isn't yeah i wouldn't think so we call it egg banking it's not just like a simple procedure like a one-time thing it involves hormonal stimulation of your ovaries some injections and they inject hormones to yeah. stimulate your eggs yeah the hormones essentially like stimulate your ovaries to make follicles and each follicle ideally has an egg in it your brain makes hormones that stimulate your ovaries and so we give the patients those hormones in higher amounts to essentially overstimulate the the ovary to make several eggs after we stimulate the ovaries it sounds crazy but we use a very thin needle that we enter in through the cervix it's all ultrasound guided it's an outpatient procedure the patient is in a light anesthesia where they're in a light sleep but they don't feel anything there is an anesthesiologist administering the anesthesia put the patient in stirrups as if you're gonna get a pap smear we use a speculum that's that thing that you hear click when you're getting a pap smear <laughs> that really uncomfortable device that clicks <laughs> basically like wedges your parts open the vagina open so you can visualize yeah so we can see the cervix which is like at the tip of the uterus we have somebody who is trained in ultrasound and who knows what they're doing holding a view of your uterus and your ovaries with the ultrasound machine and so then we have a long needle that we guide your like vaginal tissue straight into your ovary and we suck out the fluid from the cyst so by overstimulating your ovaries instead of one or two or three large cysts ideally it causes your ovaries to make like maybe like 15, 20 different large cysts. And so, yeah, so we remove the fluid from those cysts with the suction device attached to that needle. And it's a very intricate procedure. And so in real time, as we're sucking the fluid out of each cyst, we're collecting the fluid in vials. This procedure is done, first of all, at a, an REI's office, a reproductive endocrinology and infertility specialist. So, this doctor 
has done medical school, a full four-year OBGYN residency like I did, and then they go on to do an extra three years of REI fellowship. Damn, so that's like seven years after medical school. Yeah. A lot of the REI offices, you know, these practices have something called an embryologist, which this is somebody that is looking at the fluid under a microscope as you're removing it from the patient's ovaries they're looking for eggs in the fluid as you're doing the procedure okay and that fluid ultimately is the stuff that's getting frozen no so the embryologist actually collects the egg which you can only look at it under a microscope it's it's a cell collect it and you put it in special fluid there's a lot of extra little cells around the egg the egg's actually called an ovum but comparing it to the size of other cells in your body it's a very it's a very large cell but it's surrounded by zona pellucida cells these like special cells that kind of protect the egg and so the embryologist removes that extra layer and cleans up the egg and collects them all together and then they're frozen like that how many eggs do you typically take as many as you see so on ultrasound we see an ovary with cysts and so all we can do is poke through the cyst with a needle and suck out the fluid that fluid is collected there's a extra nurse that helps switch out the tubes and usually helping the surgeon and the doctor sees the fluid on ultrasound removes it and sends all that fluid to the embryologist and the embryologist is the one who sees if there's an egg in the fluid because it you can't see it with the naked eye as the doctor doctor, you don't know how many eggs you're removing. Usually the embryologist is in a lab connected to that room that you're having this procedure done. And they'll like shout out like one egg found. As they find them, they verbalize that to the team to let them know how many they have. So it depends on the patient. If you have like a 40 year old patient that's freezing their eggs and they don't really have that many eggs that they're producing, you can get as low as zero or even like one, two eggs. And in that situation, that patient most likely isn't gonna be freezing their eggs, they're, they're there to get pregnant. So you wanna use those eggs for pregnancy. On average, if you have a patient, say from the age range of 28 to 35, I'd say on average, you could probably get 12, 13 eggs in one sitting. The highest I've seen is about like 15 or 16. However much it costs, like 8,000, $10,000, 15000 is for whatever amount that they're able to retrieve or is it for a specific number of eggs that they freeze? So there's one cost to have the procedure done to get the egg, but the banking, there's actually like an annual fee. It's like you pay money for your credit card annually, like your American Express. Oh, so like, it's like a real, real bank. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you actually have to pay a fee to when you want to use those eggs, what's the process there? Yeah, so that egg would need to be fertilized with sperm. Does the male have to freeze their sperm too, or is that something that could just be done in real time? That can just be done in real time. You know what's crazy? In the REI office, they... Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> so they have rooms where... People are just fucking? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> the reason they're in the REI is that if they're having sex, they're not able to get pregnant. Right. So they have rooms for the guy. The guy oh, has to just to, like, example. jerk off. Yeah. So they have, like, literally, they have, like, porn. Oh, not... They still have magazines? And oh. videos. I'm just in like, their they, they can't still have the magazines. Yeah. They Like, whatever it takes. Oh, like the dirtiest, grossest. Yeah. Oh, and 
tell them to use their own damn iPhone. Yeah, whatever it takes for the guy to like, you know. Got it. So the guy collects his sample, and you're actually supposed to provide that sample within one hour of collecting the semen. You have to use it? You have to like bring it to us so that we can process it. We like clean it. And, and then do you then insert the sperm so, under like a microscope, or what do you do? So there's two kinds of artificial ways of fertilizing the egg. So one way is you, you put the egg and like millions of sperm in a specimen container with a specific type of fluid and you like give them their privacy, let them do their thing and you come back a few day, after a few days and you see if an egg's been implanted and then you follow it for a couple of days and there's like specific criteria where they grade the, you know, if it's been implanted then, you know, it's and it's an embryo and you know you watch it grow from like a two cell stage to a four cell eight cell 16 cell until it becomes something called a blastocyst and um the embryologists have criteria that they grade the embryos it's like it's interesting because it's graded like on a number and a letter scale like three aa ab bbcc you know so aa is like the best quality um and uh, if it's been fertilized and there's an embryo, you know, then they implant an embryo. And usually they discuss with you, like, do you want us to implant one? Do you want us to implant two? Are the chances that you have, like, like a twin pregnancy higher if you do it this way? Definitely, yeah. Letting them just do their own thing in the petri dish, that's IVF. That's in, in vitro fertilization. Yeah. And then, like, if that doesn't work, then there's literally, like, the last resort. There's a way that we can actually inject the sperm into the egg. It's like this egg and sperm just need so much help that like that's called ICSI, intracytoplasmic sperm insemination. That's where you inject the egg with the sperm because you know it wouldn't have happened any other way. <laughs> gotcha. All right, thank you. That was great. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> You're listening to Medicine Remixed only on Anchor. Every day. Around 350,000 babies are born, each one utterly unique. A few months ago, this baby didn't even exist, and the story of how it came to be, against impossible odds, is extraordinary. This is the moment of conception, when one single sperm fused with the mother's egg. If another sperm had got there first, this baby would be someone else. I don't think people realize, man, how much shit has to go exactly right for us to be born and be what we consider normal. The amount of shit, the amount of connections that have to happen. I mean, straight from DNA to, you know, your fingers being where they're, where they're supposed to be. The amount of shit that has to go absolutely flawless. Yeah. And granted, the packaging, you can bitch about that and say, oh, that person's ugly. You know, that person has bad teeth. That person has a big nose. That per you can say whatever you want. The outside, listen, it's just fucking packaging, man. Yeah. All the shit that had to go right for your kid to sit in front of that TV and ignore you and not listen to you. Yeah. The amount of shit that had to happen, un It's a miracle. Did you see all these stats running around? Like, it's, it, the likelihood of being a human being is 440 trillion to one. Really? Yeah. Google it right now. Do you know how hard it is? You, you can win the mega millions five times more likely than actually becoming a human. Of course. One in 400 trillion. One in 400 trillion. That's crazy. It is ridiculously hard to become a human being and then these motherfuckers complain. Like it's, you won 
the greatest lotto. I absolutely agree with that. So I just feel like you have to embrace what you have. Like I was created a, a black man. Like how you always talk about, you know, when, when, a, when a person had sex, one sperm cell out of millions. It's just crazy. One sperm you got lucky. Millions created, created us. So it's a privilege just to be alive and be breathing. So for me, I am what I am. Either love me or leave me alone. He's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? I said, Mick, I thought I was going to die. I'm not going to drink. He's like, don't be like that, Trevor. It's just one bad day. I was like, yeah, and I'd like to live to see another, Mick. I'm not going with you. He's like, oh, Trevor, don't be like, I'm like, don't be like what? He's like, don't be a pussy. And that's where he lost me. That is where he lost me. I understand what he was trying to do. Guys do it all the time. Hit you with the phrase, don't be a pussy. Yes. Because it implies weakness. Yeah. Do not be like the vagina. The vagina that is weak. Yes, yes. Don't be a pussy. The guys say that and then you do what they want. Don't be a pussy. Yeah, yeah. Don't be a pussy because the pussy is weak. And yet, in my personal experience, I have found the pussy to be one of the strongest things I have ever come across in my life. Don't be a pussy. Have you ever come across a pussy? The vagina is one of the most powerful. You realize vaginas can start revolutions and end wars. You realize even on a physical level, the vagina is one of the strongest things that have ever existed. Virtually indestructible. Many men in this room, many, many men in this room have tales of how they once defeated the pussy. Let me tell you now, they have not. The owner of the pussy may have given you the impression that you defeated the pussy, but it is alive and well, my friends. Whenever people say that, I go, do you understand how impressive the vagina is? Do you understand how strong it is? There's a reason men have sought to oppress it for so long. The vagina is frighteningly powerful. You realize that human beings come out of a vagina. Human beings come out and still it continues to work as intended. Do you understand how impressive that is? I don't know if I'm the only one, but New York, do you understand? A human being, a human being comes out of the vagina and still it continues to operate as it continues to work. After a human has just come out, you're saying it's weak? A human came out of the vagina. You just sit on a penis wrong and it breaks. You just... Don't be a penis, that should be the phrase. <laughs> what it do, Anchor Crew? It's Reesh, it's Medicine Remixed, and it's Thursday. Hope everyone's having a great week so far, and if you're not, Hopefully this dose of perspective will give you a little gratitude adjustment.
because chances are if you're listening to Anchor right now, your life is pretty fucking amazing. So according to a new assessment by the WHO, that is the World Health Organization and UNICEF, which is the United Nations Children's Fund, a program headquartered in New York City that provides humanitarian and developmental assistance to children and mothers in developing countries. So according to a recent report, more than 2 billion with a B people worldwide don't have access to safe, clean water at home. So some alarming highlights from their report include an estimated 361,000 kids under the age of five that die every year from diarrhea because of a lack of clean water and soap for hand washing, which puts all people, but especially little kids, at risk for things like diarrhea, dysentery, cholera, and other horrible diseases that we don't typically see in first world countries. The report also stated that close to 300 million people have to spend at least half an hour to get clean water from a source outside their homes, and close to another 200 million people who don't have clean water at home resort to surface water that hasn't been treated. And finally, according to this report, approximately 2.3 billion, again with a B, people don't have access to basic sanitation resources like a toilet, which is a problem much worse in rural areas than in cities. And, you know, I'm not trying to minimize anyone's relative struggle, you know, uh, anyone that's listening. And this is not meant as a buzzkill by any means. This is meant as a gratitude hack of sorts by reminding everyone, including my damn self, how good we really have it when we don't have to fight for things as basic as clean water and a toilet. It's so easy for our perspective to break down when we have hashtag first world problems, but just remember when you're stressing over all that shit that you think really matters in your life that none of it really matters without your health. We love y'all. You're listening to Medicine Remixed only on Anchor. Medicine Remix. Good old docs over there at Med Remix, the best station on Anchor. Nah, for real, guys, you are killing it. Uh, wonderful segments over the past 24 hours. The whole thing about uh, pregnancy and fertilization issues to uh, artificial insemination, the whole gratitude adjustment thing, uh, putting Gary V, you know, remixing Gary V into that. I guess you use Audacity. I don't know what program you use, but yeah, once again, I think you. You're my favorite station on Anchor, so keep doing what you're doing. I'm loving it. And, uh, yeah, just really appreciate the content. What else can I say? Hi, this is my first call, and I wanted to say how much I love Medicine Remix. I love all the music you guys select and sample and how you keep medicine interesting. I just heard Dr. Rama's segment on infertility and egg freezing. I thought it was super informative. Thank you. Keep it up. Yo, this is your boy D. You're listening to Medicine Remixed. If you've been keeping up with the station over the past couple of days, which I'm sure you have, right? Uh, you've heard my boy Reesh. What it got me thinking about was just the overall function of the human body. 
it fascinates me how much goes on in the human body without really what feels like anyway any real conscious thought and this is going to sound a little weird but you know when i was in med school and, and you know i had my nephew living with me um he's about three years old at the time and i remember just staring at him and thinking to myself like well, you know while he was sleeping sounds kind of creepy but stay with me but i would just stare at him and, and he'd be asleep and breathing and i'd be fascinated i'd be imagining his little lungs you know he's got two little kidneys in there just kidneying kidneying is that how you would describe what a kidney does anyway doing what a kidney does and he was oblivious to it he was just babying right he was just being a person and that that always stuck with me as this profound sort of wow this is an engine that's just going and under constant repair under constant maintenance and it, it really got me to thinking and i remember there, there's a couple of facts that I remember lear learning about and it, it just if I really sit down and think about it it still fascinates me to this day but for example the human heart beats on average a hundred thousand times a day if you do the math that gives you about 40 million times a year 40 million I mean can you think of anything else you do in a year 40 million times and you know just for context if you if you took a tennis ball in your hand and just squeezed it. That's about as much force as your heart generates with each pump. 40 million times in a year. That'd be nuts. And if you really step back and think about it, it's about 3 billion times over an average lifespan of about 70 to 80 years. And, you know, really think about it. How many people do you know who have had open heart surgery? Maybe a couple? So if you think about that, most people go their entire life with that heart pumping away without need for any major repair, no major replacement. I mean, that's pretty phenomenal. And what it's pumping, it's pumping about two gallons worth of blood per minute. That's a hundred gallons of blood that it moves an hour. If you think about a hundred gallons of milk lined up, it moves that much volume in an hour. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Now, if you think about what the blood's being pumped through, so every vessel, if you think about every little uh, pipe, if you will, running throughout your body, and you lined them up end to end, and I'm sure some of you have heard this, it would cover about 60,000 miles in length, about two times around the world. And through those vessels is flowing red blood cells. Now, red blood cells take about a minute to make a complete circuit through your body. So starting from picking up oxygen, dumping it off, and coming back to get more oxygen, that cycle, about a minute, each blood cell. Now, there's enough red blood cells in your body that if you took them on, you stacked them end to end, they'd go 31,000 miles into the sky. I mean, that's pretty nuts. But here's the thing that really got me, was that in the time it takes you to inhale, you have lost and replenished about 3 million red blood cells in your own body. That is crazy. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now, knowing all this is going on pretty much flawlessly. So take that information, apply it to your day. You're a fine piece of exquisite engineering. Use it to your favor. Make the most of today. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Medicine Remixed on no other place but here on Anchor. Peace. What's going on, guys? 
Um, you got me really thinking with this whole thing about how the human body just does stuff without actual conscious thought. And it makes me think of when my wife was pregnant and the entire time I was just continually fascinated with the fact that she, for nine and a half months, was just creating life and at every step of the way just doing the right stuff that that baby needed in terms of like how her body adjusted and the types of things that the baby was given in terms of nourishment. And my daughter, who also was not consciously doing any of this, knew exactly when to develop her lungs and knew exactly when to start kicking and knew exactly when to start moving down the birth canal. Um, it's insane. It's completely insane. And I don't think that I ever really appreciated that perspective as much until my wife got pregnant. Uh, and now I think about it all the time. So I'm right there with you. how a child can really take its toll on a marriage because the baby hasn't even come out yet and I am already so resentful towards my husband so much resentment especially when he asked me to do shit around the house hey can you wash the dishes no can you water the plants I'm not doing jack shit anymore I'm busy making an eyeball okay are you making a foot I didn't think so you changed the channel already see how there's like this crazy double standard in our society of how it takes so little to be considered a great dad and it also takes so little to be considered a shitty mom people praise my husband for coming to all of my doctor's appointments with me oh my god i can't believe he comes to all your doctor's appointments he is so supportive guess who else has to go to those doctor appointments me! I'm the star of the show! There's nothing for the camera to see if I'm not there. But he's the hero for playing Candy Crush while I get my blood drawn. Meanwhile, if I do mushrooms seven months pregnant, I'm a bad mommy! What's up? It's Benji Himmelfarb calling in about the egg freezing segment. Uh, first of all, uh, just wanted to say ovary stimulation, <laughs> but also I had a question. So Dr. Rama said that for women, the quality of their eggs gets worse as they get older. Um, but I want to know, is the same thing true of sperm, right? Like I'm worried now, like throughout my twenties, I was just pulling out, you know, cause I didn't want to be a dad, but was I wasting future potential pro athletes and MIT graduates on my sheets, you know, like I'm in my thirties now, is my sperm worse? If I have a kid, am I just going to make like a C average student with bad coordination and asthma or something? Anyway, thanks a lot guys. Love your channel. Talk to you later. Hey Benji, this is Dr. Rama. I was just um, answering your question that you posed earlier. <laughs> so this is actually called um, advanced paternal age. <laughs> I know it sounds um, a bit uh, drastic, but welcome to what women go through. For women in the OB world, when women are older than 35, they are given the wonderful label of being advanced maternal age. You know, there are things like Down syndrome and other genetic 
conditions, genetic disorders that are commonly linked to women getting older and, you know, issues with fertility that I talked about. But nobody ever pays attention to, to the guy or the man. So your question is actually a really good one. In the, the world of OB, we don't consider someone to be advanced paternal age until they're older than 40. But I've been uh, learning that in the world of genetics, that cutoff is less than that. Like some geneticists uh, raise an eyebrow above the age of 35. So for men, there is no real cutoff. It's kind of a point of discrepancy amongst different fields in medicine. But for men that are getting older in age, and I would say this applies to the age 40 and above, there has been shown to be an increased risk of things like cleft lip, cleft palate, which that just means that there's a breakage in the lip after the baby's, when the baby's born or in the hard palate of the mouth. There has been seen to be uh, decreased fertility in, in men average uh, above the age of 40. It's weird because I just recently saw um, a couple of cases of, I've seen a few now of um, babies that have had um, this certain syndrome called Noonan syndrome. I've seen in couples that have had a baby with Noonan syndrome where the dad was 35 or like 36, 37. So it's kind of crazy because, you know, that phenomenon of Noonan syndrome happened, what's called de novo, and that happened on its own. It's, you know, not a condition that was passed down from the parents. It just, for whatever reason, when the egg and the sperm joined, it there's a mutation in one gene and that one gene that that spelling error in that one gene caused this this syndrome that you know can cause you to be short cause you to have developmental delay can cause you to have like certain heart conditions like pulmonic stenosis it's interesting because men actually uh, compared to women have a baseline increased mutation rate for certain spelling errors in their genetic makeup because sperm cells are constantly rapidly being regenerated and dying and regenerating and dying and so because of that increased cell turnover rate it leads to a higher chance of spelling mistakes in the genetic code so that would be like a mutation or a variant but for women the egg cells that women have throughout their entire life are given to them when they're born and when they're developing and those egg cells never change and so they're stuck with the same egg cells that they were you know given when they were born and those cells are not rapidly dividing and so they have a slightly lower chance of uh, mutations just in the general population. With um, increasing paternal age, that does increase the risk for certain genetic defects. There are certain conditions that are called autosomal dominant conditions, meaning that you only need one copy of your gene to have the spelling error in order to manifest the disease. And um, so advanced paternal age is associated with having a higher risk of certain autosomal dominant conditions. So, I mean, you know, the chances of having in a guy who is less than 40, it's very, very rare to see a risk of these things. You know, like the chance of that happening in the general population is still very, very low. But as men get older, your, your risk is slightly higher than it would have been if you were like, you know, 10 years younger or less than age 40. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but I don't know <laughs> if that's good news or bad news, but just keeping it real. <laughs>
What it do, Anchor Crew? It's Reesh. It's Thursday night here in New York City. Wanted to thank everyone that called in today, showing love and dropping insights. You guys made Medicine Remixed lit as fuck today. Keep the keep the call-ins coming. We love it. And uh, big shout-out to one of my best friends in real life, who also happens to be DC comedian Benji Himmelfarb, who you might have just heard. Um, who uh, I finally convinced that uh, Anchor was the truth, and now he and dudes in their 30s and 40s without kids all got a dose of the truth from our reproductive consultant on Medicine Remix, Dr. Rama, who uh, is also my wife, for those uh, that don't know. And we don't have kids yet, if you were wondering, and uh, I'm going to just let her tell me when that needs to go down. You know, she's the, the sex expert. <laughs> Anyways, uh, big ups to Dr. Rama for dropping some truth bombs on us dudes. And uh, big ups to comedian Benji Himmelfarb for his half-serious question uh, about sperm. Definitely go check out his station, especially if you're curious about the behind-the-scenes uh, of an up-and-coming stand-up comedian. Dude is super talented and hilarious. You'll definitely be hearing more of him on Medicine Remix if he decides to uh, stick around these anchor parts. Uh, so show his station some love. Thanks for showing us love, as always, with your attention. We'll be back with more doses of the dopeness in the morning. Check out our previous episodes on Anchor or on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever the fuck you get your podcast fix. You're listening to Medicine Remixed only on Anchor. Was shot. <gasps> Was he aroused? <laughs> I was at home like, yeah. Was he aroused? <laughs> Don't bust that nut yet. We'll be right back. <laughs>